Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, Episode 42. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host today. And we've got a really exciting guest. Now, this guest is probably doing something that you think is just old news because it's recycling. It's recycling for businesses and that sort of thing. But you're going to be so excited today because you're going to hear Nancy Ogburn. She's the owner of Tomato Palms in Columbia, South Carolina. And she's going to tell us about the innovations that she's taken with recycling and how she kind of fell into it and didn't really ever plan on being the recycling ambassador in Columbia, South Carolina. But she started a business and since she started the business, she's been given several awards. She's been given awards for um, her leadership, for running a green business, for conservation efforts. And she's recently been awarded the Small Business Association Business of the Year for 2014. So she's come a long way in a really short time. And she's got some great tips and advice that she can share with anyone else who wants to do it. So we're thrilled to have her here today to share her amazing journey with us. Nancy, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Christy. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, I've given just a really, uh, oh, a rambling in, uh, you know, introduction for you and that sort of thing, but I love your story, and I only know a portion of it, of course. Um, we've, we've got, there's a lot more to you than just tomato palms, so I wanted to kind of get into the story of you and a little bit about who you are and what your background is um, kind of prior to Tomato Palms. And then once we kind of get that foundation laid, we'll dive further into your current business, Tomato Palms. So go ahead and tell us about you professionally, personally, anything you think we need to know. Well, uh, personally, I was born in South Carolina. I have lived here all my life. I've never found a reason to leave. I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am married. I have three children and six grandchildren. Wow. And I live on beautiful Lake Murray. And, ah, um, Lake Murray. Yes. And there comes part of the name of my business, the palm trees. Yes, but, uh, the, the palm. I've always known that even from the time I was a little girl that I wanted to run my own company, but I did spend 20 years in corporate America in the insurance industry, but I always had that passion. I always felt that one day that I would be led to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, over the last 15 years, my entrepreneurial spirit has taken me on several different journeys. I've done several different things, but by far, Finding my place in the recycling industry is the most rewarding work I've ever done. Wow. And it's so needed. You know, I know you, you're going to tell us about your story and how you kind of fell into it and that sort of thing. But um, I think it's just so great that you took an obvious need right in front of you and out of it grew a business unlike anything anybody else was doing. So um, now as far as your business background, you started out in insurance. Mm -hmm. And you did you leave insurance to start Tomato Palms, or had you already left that before you started it? No, I, I left insurance and took a year or so off after that 20 years and actually went into the greeting card business and actually wow. wound up purchasing two different um, greeting card franchises and did that oh, wow. for about five years. 
from the time you left insurance five years later, you were opening up Tomato Palms. So now tell us about how, you know, you, you can, Tomato Palms has kind of evolved over the years, as we were talking about earlier. Um, tell us how it, you know, how it's changed and how you got it started and kind of give us the background for you starting Tomato Palms. Well, uh, when I started State of Palms initially in 2007, I started it as I was publishing two organizers. One was a recipe clippings organizer that I wanted to use to protect my mother's handwritten recipes. She passed away a ah. long time ago, and I wanted to make sure her handwriting was protected. Sure. And I had um, put that book out to be sold on, um, in 2007, and in 2008, I published a second book, which is for takeout menus. My menus were falling out the back of my doors, and I made the book, and <laughs> I wonder if everybody else's are, too. And I'm still selling uh-huh. that book, by the way. But uh, as I was waiting for that second book to be delivered from the publisher, one Sunday morning, I was getting ready to go to church, and I read an article in the state newspaper about a homeless man who had been in the hospital, and he needed a place to recuperate. His social worker found him an apartment, and when she asked him how he would pay for it, he said he would pick up aluminum cans. And I Mm. thought about this man for days. I could not get him off of my mind, and I told my husband, think of the homeless that we have in our community, and think of probably all of the aluminum cans that businesses are putting in the landfill. And it just seemed like something we had to do. It, It just, I could not leave it alone. And my my goal at that time was purely just to try to see if we could collect cans for the homeless. And one okay. day, I just started down Harbison Boulevard, knocking on businesses' doors, asking if they would donate their aluminum cans to help the homeless. What I found was the businesses said, yes, you can have our cans, but would you take our plastic bottles, our paper, our cardboard, too? And I realized at that time that I had stumbled upon a second need that was somehow connected to what had brought me there in the first place, and that was that businesses wanted to recycle. They wanted to recycle those aluminum cans, but they didn't have a way, or if they had tried and it didn't work and it failed and overflowed or they didn't know what to do or didn't have the staff. And so I just began researching um, recycling, and um, one of my first calls was to the South Carolina Department of Commerce. They have a recycling market development department there, and they have been wonderful throughout the years. And from that simple experience, I grew into a full-blown recycling company, helping businesses um, that want to recycle. And we do sell our aluminum cans and donate a portion of those proceeds to the homeless in our community every year. We've done that every year since we've been in business. Wow. So it, it started out as a kind of a, almost like a charity-type endeavor. Exactly. And it turned into a business. So let's talk about what Tomato Palms is today. Um, What is your target market for Tomato Palms? Our our market is for businesses that want to recycle but just don't have the time or the the staff to do it. We go in primarily in office, uh, conference rooms, kitchens, cafeterias, break rooms and provide the bins, and we do everything turnkey for the businesses. So they drop all the materials in one bin. We come in wherever the bins are stored, and we pull the materials out. We clean and disinfect the bins. So there's nothing for them to do. We weigh the materials, so at the end of the month, they get a report that tells them how much they've recycled every month. And this is Uh good information for them to share not only with their customers and their staff, but um, with if they have home offices or 
mm-hmm. um, companies in other countries that do so much better at recycling, they, they really want to share those numbers. So primarily it's just a, a turnkey service for businesses that are looking to recycle. So essentially you put, you give the business uh, however many bins they need to put around whatever their facility, uh, you know, size-wise, I'm sure it ranges. Um, You give them the bins, and then they put anything that's recyclable all in the same bin, which is a sticking point for many recyclers, right, because we've gone through the, you have to have it all separated, and it has to be, you know, it can't be number two or number five or whatever those crazy numbers are. It can only be this kind of plastic. And only be that kind of plastic. If you have anything in there that's not recyclable, we uh, will reject it. You know, all those kind of loopholes, I guess, that we have to jump through to recycle. And but we put everything in in a tomato palms bin, and then you come once a week or more frequently. It depends. Uh, it can be okay. once a week. It can be three times a week. It can be every other week. That's the, the longest we'll let it go. Is every other week. Um, okay. A lot of our clients are able to go every other week, and and okay. with with the, the being able to commingle all the materials into one bin, we do that, and we are able to take a, a broad range of materials by bringing everything back to our warehouse. Everything we pick up comes back to our warehouse, and then we sort it out. So if there's anything in there that shouldn't be in there that might we keep it from going on its tr- further trip, we'll find it before Mm -hmm. it makes that next step. So everything is is sorted back at our warehouse before it goes to the material recovery facility. So it's there's to me there's almost two parts of your business. There's the part of going around and picking up the recyclables and, and that that whole front end customer interface. But then there's this whole other operation on the back end. Can you tell us about that? Because, you know, like you were talking about bringing everything into your warehouse and then you physically have to pay people to, to sort these. Is it mainly by hand? Is that all what you're doing? All by hand, yes. It's all, all by, by hand. hand. Okay. Sorting it. And then where does it go? What do you do? Well, it goes to different processes, our different material recovery facilities, MRFs they're called. Uh, different MRFs take t- different types of materials. You have some that primarily focus on paper and our cardboard products. You have some that primarily focus on metals. And um, so it just depends on who you have in your area as to okay. where you can take it. But essentially, you are trying to find some recycling element for every type of of material that you have coming in. We yes, and and we've really been able to grow. What we've done is, as our clients throughout the years have asked us, "Can you recycle this?" Then we'll go out and try to find a processor that can take it, such as ink cartridges. Okay. We we um, had that request for many years, but we. There has to be a process, and it has to be something that is manageable all the way through, as you say, from right. the front end of picking it up all the way to getting it through the warehouse and then to where it's supposed to be to be recycled. And But our clients have helped us grow our business by asking us about different types of materials, and we've been able to go out and search and find new processors, and it, it has enabled us to do a lot more than we did in the beginning. And so your really your goal in the very end is at the end of the day you want as little trash so to speak as possible coming out of your warehouse because you want to have been able to convert everything that you got into back into the recycling chain. 
definitely. We don't want trash. Food is our enemy, uh, yes. as well as well as styrofoam. Um, mm-hmm. But um, primarily, um, yes, we do want recyclables, and we do want them to be clean. I, I, I mm-hmm. do. I go out and do expos and explain the recycling procedures of tomato palms uh, at different businesses. And I get asked that question a lot is, does it matter? And it does matter. We do yeah. want you to give everything a quick rinse. Don't use a lot of water. But clean clean is important. Mm-hmm. And if it's dirty and you can't get it clean, it's better just to lose that one product than it is to contaminate the entire bag. Ah, oh, that's a good thought because sometimes people think, ah, oh, well, they've got some other thing I don't have that can can get that <laughs> get that taken care of. It's not the case. So now, Nancy, whenever we talk about your business, obviously it is a business. So can you tell us briefly, um, kind of what your um what your monetization areas are for the business? Uh, don't really understand what you're um, the uh, as far as getting the um like you do customers pay. To have you put up, uh, how do you charge your customers and how do you make money off of this? Yes, we charge our customers to run their recycling programs for them. We we charge okay. them based on we we primarily well we we make our business is supported by our clients that pay us to run their programs. Um, okay. We uh, have in, initially we did not have a warehouse. I worked out of my house, and we have grown and are continuing to grow. We actually bought a a baler this year for the first time. But oh wow. With um with with being a small business, um we can sell our commodities like we do the aluminum cans and but mm-hmm. and and you can make penny a few pennies here and there, but there's no way to sell you materials on the back end and support a business that that that's not possible and on this okay. level. If you are a you know, Fortune five hundred company, um you you can have eighteen wheel loads full of materials materials and sell those and and make a profit on that back end and it it is um it's important that a lot of people do have that misconception that they shouldn't have to pay that recycling should be free because right. you you sell the materials and make the money on the back end but for businesses like mine that is not possible and a lot of people don't recycle because they say I'm not going to pay because it's not free so that's certainly a message I would like to get out there yeah, definitely. And even I was going to say um, you know, at the level you're recycling and the the breadth of what items you're recycling. Um I know that, you know, there's certain things that you might it might, it could take you all year probably to get a truckload of if you were having to, you know, fill up a truck in order to get paid for it or something like that. So I know in in quantities, you know, when you're talking about just a few cents per ton or per pound or something like that, um, that money on the back end is just so minimal compared to what people are getting. Um, for, you know. Yeah, and you really can't store. You would have. I don't know how you would ever store uh, in a company like mine. You would ever store it, have enough storage space to be able to keep a, a, a supply until you could get enough to, to be able to sell. So. But essentially, you're not you're not losing money on having the stuff go out the door. Um, but people are paying on the front end to get you to manage and come take their recycling and that sort of thing off their hands. That 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 is how our company, that is how the business plan was written in the beginning, and that's what we stayed with all along. And we we do hope to be able to build the back end because we do see the large companies that are able to make a, a 
profit on the back end. And, of course, sure. we would like to grow to be that size. So that's something we're always looking at. But, but at the core of our business is to offer recycling services to businesses who, who want to recycle and to make sure it's a seamless process for them. Right. Now, you had mentioned whenever you got started, um, you, you were not a guru of recycling before you got into this business. And so one of the things that you had to do is you had to do a lot of research and you had to contact a lot of the um, government-type uh, agencies that dealt with recycling and that sort of thing. So can you tell me what community-type resources have been the biggest help to you as you have gotten your business off the ground and, and where you went for the most help? The um, the biggest, the most important, uh, not just in community but statewide type of council was at that time called the Recycling Industry Group. And it was made up of recycling industry leaders from all different commodities, from glass to paper to plastics. And I actually found that group um, through the Department of Commerce. And we uh, got together and we learned from each other and we taught each other. And uh, that group has evolved over the years and it is now um, called Recyclonomics SC because we just had a big media event last in the last week or so with uh, Secretary of Commerce Bobby Hitt and Catherine Simpson mm. from BHAG announcing that uh, the recycling industry in South Carolina has really grown and has a, a great economic impact on South Carolina. So we, we want people to know that recycling in South Carolina is important, that it is bringing in jobs and industry. And let me ask you this now. Did you, <clears throat> whenever you started doing your research and trying to figure out uh, this business, or you know how how it was going to evolve. Um, were there any was there any other companies doing what you're doing right now? Um, we all have our uh, different little methods. Um, um, there um, in Greenville, there was an established business, and um, she has been sold that business. But I, I believe the person that purchased it is still there. That it had a similar type of, of design, and as well as in Charleston, um, there uh, was a similar type business on a grander scale. We had been in business for a long time, and he has franchised out, I believe, into um, Hilton Head and I know into the Myrtle Beach, Georgetown area. Oh, wow. So everyone was kind of operating in these little pockets of place, uh, different areas of the state, but no real... Um, grand competitor with the whole state or anything like that? No, it, it's, um, it's there's so much out there. There's, there's so much to be recycled, and there's, there's so many, there's so much opportunity out there for recycling that I think there's plenty to go around for all of us. Well, and I was going to say, you know, you you always see, you know, the uh, there's always these trash wars and everything in these big cities for who's going to haul the trash and that sort of thing. And so at least the recycling hasn't, you know, dissolved into that sort of a thing where there's turf wars and that kind of that kind of uh, ill will going on between businesses. So I'm glad to hear that. Now, when you um, obviously you left a comfortable job and kind of struck out on your own and then took on this charity uh, mission to try to recycle cans to help the homeless people, um, never knowing it was really going to become a, a big business like it is today. But 
what fears have you had as you've um, gotten your feet wet in the recycling world of, of an area where you haven't even, you know, you don't have a lot of experience and kind of coming late, you know, later in your, you know, second career almost, um, you know? Um, I've, I've, since in the beginning, I really didn't know where this was going. I didn't know it was turning into what would be my full-time job. Um, uh-huh. There, there wasn't really fear. There, there was a real curiosity once I mm-hmm. got into it about what is being done with all this and are we doing all we can. And um, the curiosity just drove the research. And I don't, I don't think there was any reason to have any fear. And maybe look back, look now, and say, oh, geez, now I have eight employees and three trucks on the road. And <laughs> Uh-huh. Big insurance bills and things like that. Um, right. As you look down the road, you, you, of course, the responsibilities grow tremendously. But in the beginning, it was just really a journey, and it was learning, and, and I loved it. I fell in love with it. Oh, that's good. And it's whenever something like that becomes your passion, it really is um, so different than going to work every day. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a different feeling. It's like you're discovering something new every day and you're you're excited about it and it just ignites something inside you that a regular job at someone else's business wouldn't ever do. It's a, a real wonderful feeling. First of all, uh, growing up in the country, uh, I love nature and to be able to do what I can to protect our environment. At the same time, I'm able to provide jobs, which I never yes. realized what a great feeling that would be to be able to employ people and and also to be able to do some small part in our community to help the homeless. It's, it's mm-hmm. really a, a win-win situation. Oh, absolutely. I, that's why you know businesses like yours are are very exciting to uh, find out about because you realize there there are ways to do it if you think outside the box and don't just look at what already is being done and you try to figure out a different way. So I love that you did that. Now let me ask you this: We don't really do a lot of focusing on the negative, but I'm sure as you kind of got your feet off the ground or your business off the ground, that you probably had some failures or some bumps in the road that you really had to learn from. Can you share any one of those that might be particularly helpful to another business owner? Well, I think um, you, as you're learning what to do, uh, as you say, with uh, learning uh, what to do with the commodities and what, what can you take and um, what the rules change all the time. Maybe oh, do they? Maybe send something in today and there may be a reason why they can't take it the next day. So, um Finding the places where you can do the business and that you know you can take your product was a learning process for me. And um, also my husband coming into the company, he's retired from Wachovia Bank, but he he came in um, a year or so after I started, and he really loves that side of it as well. But I really don't look at, as hard as some of that was, I don't really look at it as a failure it's more like an on-the-job training or trial sure. and error, but um, it's it's the way I learned the business. So if if you have failures, um, you're really going to come out better for it. Well, and you, it's, sometimes it's better to learn them early on before you have a lot riding on it than it is later on in the game whenever it could be a lot more risky. Right. Now, what type of marketing strategies or marketing initiatives are you using right now that are really working for tomato palms? 
Well, a, a lot of what we have done since the beginning has just been word of mouth. And mm-hmm. um, But as far as marketing in the last year, we have really ramped up our social media. We have found that people really are curious about recycling. They want to know what where the products go or what what's being made out of the products once they mm-hmm. are recycled. So we've used our social media, our Facebook, our Twitter, to help educate. And we're, what we're doing is we're hoping that our clients and our followers will share this information and that that will increase the interest in South Carolina about recycling. We do want to increase the overall recycling rate in the entire state. Well, and I think you bring up a good point that many times um, there is an information barrier that you have to get over with, um, even with just consumers being um, conscious about recycling. I know, you know, in some areas of of the country, recycling is mandatory and it's taken care of by the city for for homeowners and consumers that are just, you know, doing residential recycling. In other areas where it's not available, you know, people really have to plan ahead in order to recycle. They have to collect their things. They have to know when they can take it and they have to go drop it off and they have to, you know, follow all the, the rules and that sort of thing. And there is a lot of education that you have to do just just to get the public to understand what your bigger mission is. There is, and that's something that the Recyclonomics SD group that I talked about earlier, we uh-huh. uh, we do um, try to get the message to our legislators that we do feel like that it's, um, they play a key role in um, trying to help South Carolinians become more educated in recycling and giving them access or ideas or ideas suggestions on what can mm-hmm. be done to make it easier for South Carolina to catch up with the rest of the nation. And is that what you find that each state is kind of um, making their own way? I mean, and when you compare, what, I mean, some states are way ahead of South Carolina, and the South Carolina is probably ahead of a lot of other states as well. But is that the way it kind of is, that it depends on the the state of how well recycling is happening I think so. I, I think it's up to our state leaders. Um, and you can look at North Carolina, and their legislature has really driven home some excellent recycling laws throughout the few years. And they, mm. as, as a result of that, um, have a lot less materials going in the landfill. So I do think mm. it's a state, but we do have a, there is a group called CERDEC that um, works through the southeastern states in, in promoting recycling. South Carolina is one of the states, and I think that CERDEC is going to make an excellent impact on recycling for the southeast in the years to come. Oh, that's good to hear. Good to hear when you can catch up with the, you know, some of the other states that have had mandatory recycling, all you know, for years now, and it it just becomes part of their way of life. So I love to hear that. Now, Nancy, have you had over the course of your career or the course of you owning businesses, have you had any sort of a business coach or mentor or anything like that? Well, um, as far as a business coach, um, not specifically. I, I can mm-hmm. say that um, Chantal Fryer, who works at the uh, Department of Commerce, um, has has been the person that has been there for me. Um, mm-hmm. She has always been willing to give me direction or let me know where she thinks I can go to become better educated on something of different groups and different councils and 
Um, without her, I probably would not be in business today. Wow, and that's good to see somebody that's in a position that's influential like that and having the ability to uh, direct other people in ways that make them successful. Because, like you say, if, if somebody's not helping you, how are you going to know? Right, right. I, I would have never known uh, all the different avenues and or what found ways to um, become connected to the different types of industries, the glass, the plastics, without some leadership and guidance. I, I don't think I could have gotten there on my own, so I owe her a lot. Well, and, you know, sometimes I think um... – you know, as a, a business owner, it's it's up to us to sometimes pick up the phone and call people or reach out, you know, when we don't have all the answers or we're not finding what we need or we feel like we're, you know, the more we dig, the deeper <laughs> the deeper we're getting into nowhere, you know, that, that, that has any clear end to it. And so I think sometimes if you re- actually reach out and pick up the phone and call somebody, you will be surprised at the help that you get just by asking. And I think that your business is a great example of that. You've had people really just give you the next step and the next step and the next step just because you ask. Right, exactly. And I, I have had a lot of, many people call me over the years that just have questions about a, a particular commodity, and it's not anything that I can particularly help them with in their circumstance, but I can give them guidance. And uh-huh. I think it's real important to know that in South Carolina, each county is required to have a recycling coordinator, and, and these are very helpful, hardworking, knowledgeable people. So we direct people that call my office all day to their, their county recycling coordinator because uh-huh. they, they can help them with whatever they have be it leftover paint or light bulbs or whatever that's what the recycling coordinators are there for so uh, it's good to be able to share that knowledge and pass on some of that goodness that I received years ago sure definitely and sometimes those are um those are not the easiest um departments or people uh, or, or you know agencies to find out about you know if you don't know there's a recycling coordinator in every county you might be at a loss as to where to go and lord knows nobody's picking up the phone book and looking in the blue pages anymore <laughs> for the government agencies so it it is good to be able to to tell people where to go and so they can have that information to uh to kind of direct them because it County by county, I mean, I always say it's up to the citizens to really make a recycling program work or not, just because if you get involved and you're conscious about doing it, then it just it takes off. Other people become conscious and become involved, and it's uh, it's so much grassroots with the the home recycling right now that I see in, in South Carolina. And I know in my neighborhood, we didn't have any. And so we had to make it a point to go down to the, you know, the drop-off point that was so many miles away, but only open during the week at, from like, you know, eight to four. <laughs> so all the time people are at work and on Saturdays, but it's closed on all the holidays. And so you really, really have to make an effort and be diligent with that. Well, I now, always say my clients, um, they are the people that care. They, they, you have to care. You have to want to uh-huh. do it because it's not always easy or convenient. convenient. Right. Or even clean. I mean, you know, it, it takes up a lot of space to put all your recycling, you know, 
gather all your recycling and separate it from your trash. And, you know, you have to be diligent about doing that. And it's, sometimes it's doing the right thing, even though it's not the easiest thing to do. So I'm glad that, that you're bearing that cross and, and helping uh, businesses do that because I think there's so much waste that businesses uh, have just because they don't, like you say, they don't know what to do with it and they want it recycled, but they can't pay big dollars for it, you know. Right. So um, now let me ask you this. You've had, I mentioned in introducing you, you had a lot of awards and and that sort of thing come your way um, just over the past several years for different aspects of your business. What do you feel like is your greatest business accomplishment? Well, it it has to be being named the 2014 South Carolina Small Business Person of the Year. Um, Absolutely. absolutely an amazing phone call to receive and (laughs) um, I'm very proud to represent the very hard-working small business owners of South Carolina Uh, it is it is tough and to Mm -hmm. uh, be given that honor is um, humbling and and and, and very amazing and I was thrilled to be able to go to Washington for National Small Business Week and represent South Carolina there and it was an an excellent week and an excellent opportunity to mingle with business owners from across the country it's a great it's great to be able to go and meet other people that are kind of doing the same you know hard-working folks and, and even that's what this podcast is about is just shining the light on the people in the individual communities all across the country that are doing great work that are completely impacting their community in a positive way, that are creating jobs, that are providing, um, you know, charitable donations and that sort of thing that stay right in their communities. Um, and, and to see that and to see people rewarding that or honoring that and recognizing it, I love that and I love that you're uh, the recipient of that award because you're right, that is quite an honor. I don't know that you'll, I don't know that you'll have anything that'll top that, but I'll be waiting to see. <laughs> you can come up with either. the next one. <laughs> but they've they've all been been very very meaningful. The I am a certified woman um, business owner and uh-huh. to the WBNC nationally. So being a certified woman owned uh, has meant a lot. And yeah. Um, businesses look for for women-owned businesses, and and that in itself has has given me great recognition that I would not well be remiss not mentioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good point as well. And I think, you know, there are a lot of um, ways that we can leverage our businesses through some of these uh, associations and that sort of thing that if if you reach out to them and become involved and, you know, partner with them, you are a whole lot better off than going at your going it alone and just trying to make your own way in the world. So I definitely agree with that. So right now, um, what do you feel like the next step is for Tomato Palms? I do feel like we are starting a new chapter. We um, expanded last year, expanded our warehouse, we added employees, we added more trucks on the road, and I do feel like that we are at a turning point. I don't know exactly what that is yet. We're working on different ways of being up bringing our website up to date so that it's easier for people to purchase our services. And we'll mm-hmm. continue to take it on small baby steps, which is just the way I operate. But I do feel <laughs> like it, that it, it's time to take another look at it and see uh, what else is out there. Well, and it's, you know, I was going to say, whenever you look at what the next step is, you know, you're not just looking for yourself anymore because now you have all these families and employees that are dependent 
on the income, you know. So it, I know it adds a lot of uh, responsibility and weight to any decisions. It's not just you can't just do a crapshoot and gamble anymore because <laughs> yeah. it's more than you dealing with it. So, right. Now, as a parting thought or some words of wisdom to leave us with, um, is there anything that you know now that you really wish you had known when you were starting out in business that you could share with other business owners? I think you just you really need to focus on your strengths mm. and uh, not try to make something that you're not comfortable with. Um mm-hmm. I think you need to be able to be willing to do all of the work yourself. I think you have to start it from the ground up and do it yourself. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's the only way to be successful. And I would say my parting word would be as frugal as possible in all areas. Ah, yeah. And, and you know, that is the downfall of many businesses is you just – you know, you you get overextended and then a hiccup happens and you can't recover from it. And a whole really, uh, you know, something that could be a viable business can be completely sunk by a couple of bad decisions of, by not being frugal or taking on too much debt. So I do think that's very, very good advice. Now, I always like to, you've been generous giving us uh, your time and, and sharing some tidbits and, and lessons that you've learned along the way in growing your business and just even sharing your business with us because I think it's a great business and a, a neat model. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything going on within your business, um, anything that you feel like is important that you would like to share with our listeners right now. Well, we are excited to uh, announce our new program for individuals living in apartments and condominiums. Throughout the years of being in the recycling business, I frequently had people call that live in apartments or condominiums that did not have access to recycling services. And there wasn't anything that I could do because I simply worked for businesses. And so mm-hmm. early, earlier this year, um, we had a couple of calls, and one of those was from a senior citizen who had just moved to Irmo, and he was looking for recycling services. And um, we talked over several months, and finally we um, developed an individual apartment and condominium recycling program where individuals can sign a six-month contract with us, and they simply hang their bag of recyclable materials on their doorknob, and we will pick it up for them on a weekly basis. Wow, that's great. And then um, however many, I mean, obviously I was going to say in an apartment complex, I can imagine if you have some people doing that and other people not, they're they're probably saying, what what is going on on Tuesday? Why does everyone have bags on the doors? What are we missing out? And then suddenly people start adding to uh, the route, right? I mean, yeah, we, it grows we, we organically. We we do like to, we always try to work with the property managers, and, and we do have apartment complexes that offer services uh, through Tomato Farms for all of their residents. But for the ones that are not uh, in a position to do that right now, and uh, but the residents want to recycle, this is an option for them. And well, that is the, a great thing. Yeah. So hopefully, something that, that it, it will. Um, you know, increase the recycling throughout the community. Sure, and I was going to say, you know, that's def- definitely not something that um, any of the the larger companies would even be touching right now, is the individuals that live in those um, planned communities and that sort of thing. Because I know that's a, you know, it's it's that's a time consuming um, 
pickup, I would imagine. You know, with businesses, I know you bring your truck in and you can do, you know, everyone disperses through the business, picks up all the cans and you can go. But walking through an apartment complex could be very time consuming. It's not a money maker, but it is a way to keep materials out of the landfill. And sure. that, that is our ultimate goal. And I have to say, the senior citizen that called me, he's been with us three months now. He did sign a contract. He does pay me. And yeah. um, in his first three months, he recycled 70 pounds of material. And I think wow. for, for one senior citizen living in a small apartment to recycle 70 pounds of material in three months is an amazing story. And, and it is when you think about how much you're throwing that's you would be throwing that much away right? normally if you didn't have that. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, I appreciate so much what you're doing and the impact that you're having on the businesses and the communities that you're dealing with in Irmo and Columbia, the greater Columbia area. And I wanted to go ahead and in our show notes and that sort of thing, link up to all the places people can find you on the web, because I know um, people might have questions about recycling or what resources um, are available for them for recycling and just want to see what your business is. There also might be people in areas that um, don't have recycling, and maybe it's the type of business they would like to start. So um, where can where are all the places that we can find you on the web? Well, we're all over the web, but if you go to our website at www.tomatopalms.com, you can find all of our information there, and we also have a contact page where you can write us, and we'll contact you directly by email. Excellent. So, And then you're also on Facebook, right? Yes, um, yes. we are on Facebook at Tomato Palms Recycling and Twitter at, at Tomato Palms. Perfect. Well, what I will do is in our show notes, I will link up to all of those so people can go like your page. And the thing is, even if you're not in the Columbia area, it's a great idea um, to like pages like Tomato Palms on Facebook because the information and the education that they're putting out through their social media is is applicable really to any area of the country. So you don't have to, it's not just about, um, you know, getting recycling services in Columbia, but it's about educating. And so there's valuable information that you can get from those websites uh, or liking those pages and following on Twitter. Um, and you can get all of Nancy's updates. So Nancy, I can't thank you enough for sharing your business with us and the time you spent today um, trying to share your passion for recycling and the, the great things that you're doing there. And uh, I just, I look forward to, to the awards that you're going to get in the future. I don't know if they'll be the small business of the year, but I, I look forward to seeing um, just where your business goes because I think even the past few years, the way it's grown and, you know, adding a truck here and a warehouse here and, a you know, that sort of thing, it's just amazing to see what one person taking a vision and a mission and working really hard can do. And I know that you're making a difference in the Columbia area. And so I appreciate you so much sharing it, that with us today on the podcast. Thank you so much, Christy. I appreciate the opportunity very much. If you'd like to join our local community here at the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, the best way to do that is to follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash brick and mortar reporter podcast. Now, every single day when we upload a new episode and we launch it, we'll have a little blurb there along with a link to it, along with some great discussions about local business and things that are going on in local areas all over the country that can affect your business and other businesses in the local community. So follow us on Facebook. We'd love to have you join 
our community. I wanted to let you know of one other way you can support us here at the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. If you are an iTunes listener, we are like every other podcast out there, always chasing those elusive iTunes reviews. We know it's not easy to leave them. We know it's a cumbersome task to have to log in and launch it and then go in and find us and leave the review. And I just want to let you know that we certainly appreciate any review and we would love it if you could do us a favor. If you like what we're doing, even if you just like a particular episode because you like that business owner or you like that interview or it was particularly relevant to you, hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It means more than you know because, like I say, every podcaster is chasing those illustrious iTunes reviews and we know they're hard to get because it's such a time-consuming thing for you to leave them. But it only takes a couple of minutes out of your time and it means so much to us. So if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. We'd love to have it. Thanks so much for your support. If you are a Twitter user, and we know many of you are, we love Twitter ourselves, we would love to have you follow us on Twitter. You can find us at BAM, B-A-M, Reporter. It's at B-A-M Reporter. So hop on over to Twitter, follow us, and you'll get all the updates every time we launch a new episode. And when anything comes out that the local business community needs to be aware of, we will tweet that out and you'll have access to that. So follow us on Twitter at B-A-M Reporter. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local. 